Welcome, soccer fans, to another exciting episode of The Soccer Journey, the podcast that takes you on a thrilling ride through the world of soccer, where we explore the inspiring stories and experiences of those who live and breathe the beautiful game. I'm your host, Coach Matigo, and today we have a very special guest joining us. He's not only a friend, but also an exceptional coach making waves in the soccer community with his groundbreaking approach to player development. So sit back, relax, and get ready to get inspired as we embark on an incredible journey into the realm of soccer coaching, technology, and the future of the beautiful game. Without further ado, Drew, welcome to the soccer journey. Thanks for having me, Matthias. Appreciate you for having me on today. Awesome. All right. So uh, let's get straight into it. I have some questions for you, uh, and uh, we're going to uh, dive into it right away. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your, your journey to become a coach and how you started and what inspired you to become a coach? Yeah, man. Uh, just like everybody, I think we all have uh, kind of interesting stories about how and uh, how we got to this point in our in our careers. And, uh, you know, for me, it started uh, over 20 years ago now, and it's kind of crazy to say because we're still so young. Um, but, uh, I was a young, young player and our club had a, a youth mentorship program, uh, that put us through our coaching licenses at an early, early age and, uh, had us as assistant coaches, helping out with, uh, camps and just picking up balls and cones and kind of learning just the, the inner workings of, you know, being a coach and, and how that kind of works. And, uh, that kind of struck a, you know, a need for a job when I was a young teenager and working camps and. Uh, as a, you know, as you're trying to figure life out and where life is going to take you, uh, you know, if you finish school and you have a degree and you, you can go into the, the business world and the real work, uh, work world, as they say, uh, you, you wanted to find something that you were good at, uh, that you know a lot about, um, something that was enjoyable for you. And they always say that if you enjoy what you do, you're not working. Uh, so I figured that soccer is the best place to do that. So I was fortunate enough to be able to, uh, you know, stay within soccer and build a career out of it over the last, you know, 10, 15 years and started with coaching high school soccer, you know, working with camps, different camp organizations, um, all the way up into, to, you know, meeting you over in New York, working with the New York Red Bulls Youth Academies uh, into what I do now, uh, working at Copa SCC out in Walnut Creek, California. So it's been a, a long journey, uh, but I'm I'm fortunate and, and very happy to be able to stay within in soccer and be able to make a make a living out of it and continue working with working with players and working within the, the game that I love. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And then a couple of things that you mentioned in there and, and I'm on the same boat. It's, it's crazy to think that's been almost 20 years, 18 years, whatever. And we're still like very young. Uh, but you when you enjoy, I guess you don't realize as how fast time goes, I, I think. Um, and the other thing that I want to uh, point out is that you you talked about a mentorship program. I think that's great. Uh, I don't think it's offered enough because uh, we have we, we do have a lot of coaches, but uh, having that mentor or that coach to guide you, I think, is key uh, for for your development and, and for you to continue to develop as a coach, especially a young coach. Absolutely, just having good good soccer minds to be able to bounce things off of and kind of learn from and, uh, you know, bounce different ideas off of and different, you know, session ideas or activities. Every little bit is a, is a help to what you're doing on the field. So, uh, you know, the, the youth mentorship program is something that I, 
I was very fortunate enough to have it in my club, and I, I definitely am a big proponent of it in any program that I've joined uh, since then. So it's good. Great. Great. All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about player development. In your experience, what are some of the common challenges and or obstacles faced by young players in their soccer development, uh, and how do you address them sometimes? Like some of the more common ones. Yeah, I mean, there's a million of them out there. Uh, I think uh, one of the biggest ones uh, with this country is always going to be accessibility, uh, accessibility to the game, affordability to the game. Um, you know, not everybody has the ability to afford the uh, the expensive, you know, travel competitive clubs or the academy clubs. Um, you know, not everybody can afford the additional training or the the private training that a lot of these extra the, that these players will do on their own time to to try to help develop. So. You know, being affordable uh, and being accessible in enough areas to for for players to get to, I think, is always going to be a challenge uh, within you know our culture and just our country and how we develop soccer players. Um, you know, there's always you and I. We've we've worked in the youth game for a long time, so uh, we've dealt with a, our handful and share of uh, parents of youth soccer parents. Um, you know, I won't I won't talk negatively on them because these are the guys that are you know getting getting their kids to the sport um, and making sure that they're there and improving. Uh, but sometimes they have the tendency to uh, make things a little more challenging uh, for the players, for the coaches, uh, for the team sometimes. Um, but that's a, those are going to be things that I think you face in every sport, not just soccer. Uh, but those are definitely, I think, some of the main challenges that, that we face when it comes to the players that we get a chance to work with. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with both of those. And, and there are some programs that, that are doing things to, to uh, combat those issues. But uh, thank you for bringing those up. Um, now, uh, in terms of your philosophy to, of on player development, in terms of the four pillars of the game, technical, tactical, physical, and mental resilience, how do you see this as, in part, as being part of your session? Or how do you integrate them into your your workplace? I mean, I think I, I think you have to have all four pillars at every single session, every single time that they come to, uh, to work with you. I think you need to be hitting on all these things. Now, I don't think that you're spending time and necessarily uh, targeting and saying, Hey guys, today's technical theme is going to be this, and this is how we're going to get there physically. And this is how we're going to get there mentally. I don't think it comes down to that. I think it comes up, to, it's up to us coaches to kind of build uh, our environments, build our training sessions, uh, around these pillars um, and making sure that we as coaches are kind of hitting on all these points throughout the session. Um, you know, going uh, within to my own environment here at Copa, uh, you know, the, the one thing that we always want to make sure happens in every single session, we have three things that always need to happen. Uh, there needs to be an objective, uh, there needs to be feedback, and there needs to be, it needs to be challenging. And if you can get all three of those things, then you're going to be driving intent for that player. Um, and that's what we want to make sure is happening in every single session. Uh, and that's where the, the real learning that's going to take place, hopefully. Awesome. I, I like those three uh, points. Uh, and, and, and based on, on your experience, and, and you, you, you have uh, many years' experience, what I'm trying to get the coaches to and, and myself to understand, like, what are out of these four pillars, what are the most challenging ones? for players and for coaches maybe to bring out in a session? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think one, it's always going to, a lot of, a lot plays into this, a lot of factors, a lot of variability. Um, the type of coach that you are, the type of players that you get, your own personal philosophy, 
uh, kind of all plays into all of this. I think um, if you wanted to like rate from like a one to four as to what's easier and what's harder to teach, I think us as coaches, I think, you know, we can teach technical and we can teach understanding of the game. Those are things that are, um, and we, and we can develop physical ability as well uh, as, as a coach. The mental side is something that is, uh, I think, probably the most challenging to work with, um, especially in today's age. I think, you know, players, uh, you know, there's always the old the old uh, mindset that players these days are softer than they were in the in the back in the day. And you can't yell at a player like you did back when we were playing. Um, and sure, that's that's all that that all plays into it. That's all definitely a factor into it. Um, and so that's definitely changed how, how kids have come up. That's changed how uh, kids respond to, to the coach um, and how they respond to your energy and what you're delivering to the players each day. So I don't know if I had to put one as a, as a challenging one, I would say that probably the mental side of the game is probably the toughest one, especially if you're that type of player too, that, you know, is uh struggles to keep their head on the field. It's a uh, hard to, hard to relate to, but um you know, I think it's a, it's your duty as the coach to try to find ways of, of balancing your sessions out, building a good, cultivating a good culture uh, within your team, within your club, um, and making sure that players feel not only supported and, and coached on the things that you can coach them on, but making them feel that they're supportive, uh, supported in, in, you know, what they're doing and if, how they can work through certain challenges. And, you know, I think we talked a lot about uh, uh, Gary Pritchard and, and controlling the controllables, right? And really making sure that you can drive that message home to players and, and helping them build up that, that mental resilience really. All right. Yeah, I, I would agree with, uh, I think the, the mental side of the game is one of the most difficult to coach because it depends also on, on, like you said, on the players, you, on the background and culture, it's a lot of things involved in that. Um, but also, I think also the tactical side, it's, it's, it's a little bit challenging because of uh, kids nowadays are not watching enough soccer, but that, that also depends depends on, on who you're working with. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think you you touched on um, on uh, on teaching them and making them feel comfortable. But I, I was thinking, as you were mentioning that, like also teaching them and making them feel comfortable off the field. Because we, you know, if you're not, maybe 1% of these guys that we work with are going to make it to professionals. So, a lot of the things also, you know, goes to outside of the field, in my opinion. So what do you think yeah. about? Yeah, like I said, it's like it's about cultivating a culture for your team and, you know, what you want, ultimately, how you want your players to act, how you want them to respond to things. Um, you're only in control of what you can control. So you're only in control of them when they're with you. Uh, are you doing team building experiences outside of your, your practices or outside of your games and tournaments? Are you having team dinners? Um, little things like this that just build up that, that camaraderie around just being around each other and kind of creating that, that brotherhood or that sisterhood between you and your teammates, uh, I think is really important. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, now moving on to, to, uh, your own development as a coach, um, how do you stay update, updated with the latest trends, methodologies, and research in player development? What, what resources of professional development, development you use to uh, for yourself and for your own uh, development? That's a great question. You know, uh, I always like to to stay in touch with old colleagues. That's always my my number one way of uh, staying up to date with today's latest trends. But you know, within my own environment here at Copa, it's um, you know we are always. Uh, 
always challenged with trying to find the best way of utilizing our technology and how we utilize it within our training and how we develop our players. Um, and so, you know, looking into how our partners in, in Germany use our technology, how other people that have similar technologies to us, uh, how they utilize it, how they uh, develop their athletes uh, using, you know, similar ideas and uh, methodologies and just how we can try to take that and bring it into our own environment. You know, I, I've heard a quote that's uh, you, you steal, steal the best and you leave the rest. And I'm always going to be, you know, I'm always keeping my ear out and, and, and wondering how I can try to take that and, and bring it over to Copa. Um, and that's always going to be a challenge for us. And I think that's a big challenge as to why I think a lot of coaches come work with us at Copa is because it's a, it's a new environment that they're not quite used to. Uh, and being able to take stuff that they're from their own environments and, and looking at a piece of technology and wondering how they can build up that same kind of concept or that same activity or that same idea in and using this very strict, uh, you know, very coach centered piece of technology. How do I, how do I develop that? How do I work that? So, you know, there's a lot of people out there that use technology. Um, there's a lot of, you know, justifications as to why you should use this one over that one. Um, but at the end of the day, I think there's always going to be an importance to, you know, just touches on the ball. Um, and the, the technology that we use is, is there for a reason. It's there to provide feedback. It's there to gamify the environment for the players. And that's what we're always looking to try to see how we can improve those and how we can continue to challenge our players and give them an environment that they're going to be able to grow in. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I, that's, that's one of the things that you kind of went ahead, but we're going to touch on that right, right after, um, this question, but, um, you you said you so right now your your new uh, job it's it's based a lot of uh, or revolves around uh, technology and the new uh, it's only technology or is it uh, methodology actually and you could go ahead and introduce us and talk talk us through a little bit of mm -hmm. uh, what do you guys do at, at Copa? Yeah, so just kind of give you a broad overview of Copa. So Copa Soccer Training Center is a facility based in the Bay Area, California. Uh, we utilize technologies that you really can't find anywhere in the country. Um, only a handful of technologies in the world that kind of can match up to what we have, uh, what we've created at Copa. Uh, but what we have do done is we've created an environment uh, for players to come and basically uh, work and, and get supplemental training uh, on top of what they do outside of their own environments, outside of their own club teams and um, own trainings. Uh, we've been able to take our technology and develop the world's first objective assessment uh, for soccer players called the COPA score. We're really hoping that uh, the COPA score is kind of the next level of talent identification and, and what, um, you know, getting players seen by teams that they would never have gotten an opportunity to be seen by, uh, you know, uh, in, in the earlier years, um, in the old days of subjective tryouts and just kind of word of mouth and, and the old scouting uh, kind of routine. So we kind of have, it's like a twofold kind of mission at Copa. One is to utilize the technology to help develop players. Um, and then two is to uh, be able to identify players and be able to get players in the right environments uh, to the right teams and in the right, uh, right fits for, for people. Um, so going back, what was the kind of going back to your, your first question was, uh, you know, no, just giving us an, an overview, and and this is for gear is those uh, kids or or all ages. What what is uh, the the audience or of the players that you guys are targeting? Yeah, so we have players. I mean, we have programs as young as eighteen months, uh, all the way up to nineteen years old. 
we work with athletes of all levels. Um, so we have players that are very recreational or this is their first experience with soccer. They don't even play with a club team or a club program outside of Copa. And this is all that they're doing. Uh, we have players who uh, are competitive soccer players, year round soccer players. We have players who are working within MLS next uh, teams and uh, ECNL teams and all these different, um, you know, high level, um, high level, you know, competitive clubs. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, we've been bringing in more college level programs to, to come test with the Copa score to help try to build up that database, uh, working with more professional level teams as well. We've had players from the Oakland Roots come in, from the San Jose Earthquakes come in. We've had a number of women's professionals come in, a handful of them currently playing in the Women's World Cup right now. So it's you know exciting to be able to have a home for uh, players of all ages, all levels, and kind of have something here for every single player. Awesome, awesome. And is this like stuff that uh, this type of technology, some some of them, maybe you could describe one of them specifically for us in a moment. But is this like technology that professional clubs are using at some point or or, or how can we uh, relate it? Yeah, great question. I mean, um, the, the most popular piece of technology, kind of our staple piece of technology is our Copa Cube. Um, I think the, the most, the easiest comparison to the Copa Cube is the one, uh, is the cube that Dortmund uh, had created, I think everybody had kind of seen maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, that was a big, uh, there, there's a lot of study around how Dortmund utilized the cube in their training and how that helped kind of propel them through the German ranks here, uh, through German, German football. Uh, we've taken that kind of technology and kind of developed our own Copa Cube, uh, per se. You know, it's a, a area with four ball launchers and 64 total uh, target windows and you get a little notification as to where the ball is coming from and a target window that lights up and tells you where to pass to. Uh, you're being assessed on your handling time so for the time that it takes you from receiving the ball from the launcher to the time that it takes to play the ball in that window. Uh, and you're also being assessed on your accuracy. Um, a piece of technology like that is so, so fun to work with. Um, it's great to be able to use it to develop players. It's obviously, you know, can be looked at as, oh, it's a simple ball launcher, but uh, it's up to the coaches to really take that information that they're receiving from the cube and looking at the handling time and looking at the accuracy and then identifying the points that are getting that player to that handling time or getting them to that accuracy and then being able to make that correction and help that, player, that player improve those, those areas. So for instance, you know, if their handling time is three and a half seconds, well, maybe their first touch hasn't set them up in the right direction. Maybe their first touch was too heavy and was too far away from them and forced them to have to take more steps, which then raises the level of handling time. Um, so if we can work on that first touch, controlling that first touch, making a cleaner touch in your area, uh, that handling time now gets, gets shortened and now you're improving those little areas. So that's a, it's just a quick example of one of our pieces of technology that we have and how we utilize it within training sessions. Um, the, the, the big piece of technology that we use for our uh, Copa score is our Skills Lab Arena. Our Skills Lab Arena is a, a piece of technology that was developed by a company in Austria. And, uh, there's only a handful in the, the world currently right now. Uh, Bayern Munich is a club that has one. Uh, TSG Hoffenheim has uh, a Skills Lab as well. Um, and so seeing how they use it, seeing how we use it, and, and it's a really fun kind of challenge and a really fun kind of project to work on as we've been developing all of this and, and trying to see what the next steps are. Awesome. And I think you mentioned this, is, I, I'm, as I'm picturing this, it, it's like more objective because you, it's, it's data-driven, correct? Absolutely. 
So we're taking that session, we're taking that feedback uh, within the session, every single round, every single ball. And again, kind of using the coach to determine why are the scores, uh, why they are. It's very easy to have anybody just go in and hit play and run a player through it. Um, but it, it obviously takes a little bit of coaching and takes a good eye to be able to see and to be able to identify and make those corrections to help that player improve. Awesome. Thank you for clarifying that. Now it's a process. It's you, the coaching part still needs to be there and it needs to be somebody there to, to actually process the information and, and kind of do a session or, or how to improve and what specifically needs to be improved. So, Very much so. yeah, thank you. All right. Um, so now that we're talking about technology and, and it's also maybe a different methodology, um, how do you see the combination of traditional coaching methods and cutting edge technology shaping the future of soccer coaching and player development? That's a great question. And that's just basically our daily challenge at Copa. Um, you know, coming from the environment that we came from, uh, you know, we went from a very coach centered environment. Uh, that was the methodology that we were taught. That was the methodology that we were shown. And those were the types of sessions that we were running with our players over time that transitioned into more of a player centered environment, which was more game like a little more chaos. Um, that uh, allowed players more of a kind of a free flowing environment to try to learn these skills and these abilities. When I came to Copa and you're looking at the technology, you're it's, it's going back. It's saying it's very coach centered. It's telling me exactly where the ball is coming from. And it's telling me exactly where to go with the ball. There's no decision-making involved. So I think for, for me as a, as a, you know, a developer of curriculum, a developer of players and, and, and of the program is it's trying to make sure that learning is going to be taking place in a session. Well, what needs to take place in order for learning to happen? I think there's a, a number of things that need to happen. Obviously you need a, a, an ability to, to try something, to experiment something, you know, where you're not under pressure. Okay. Uh, completely unopposed adding a, a opposition. You need to have opposition. You need to have competition. You need to have challenge in order to raise the level of your speed and everything like that. So those things need to happen. Um, and then, like I said, decision will opposition will bring a decision. Uh, do I go forward or do I go backward and why? I think that's the other bit is why am I making this decision that never gets touched on? It's I play from here, I play to there and then we're done and we never talk on it again. Um, so I think that was always going to be my challenge uh, coming into this program was how can I make sure that learning is taking place? How can I try to take the best of both coach-centered environments and player-centered environments and create an environment where the player is going to get everything that they need? Um, opportunity to express themselves uh, completely unopposed and where they're able to pick things up in a more secluded and broken down kind of method. Uh, and into slowly integrating pressure or maybe time uh, restraints with our technology that we have. A lot of it isn't necessarily pressure driven, but more of timing. I have X amount of time to get the ball from here into there. Uh, and so you're able to do that. And then the next bit is adding a little bit of decision. And for something like the cube, it might be adding an opposition. It might be adding a player in or uh, providing multiple options for the player to play into and that player having to make the decision. The Skills Lab Arena is a great place to test decision-making. It's a great place to, to test that cognitive because there's a lot of activities in that uh, piece of technology that we're able to use that bring that out of the player um, just based on the, how the activity is set up and what it's testing and everything like that. But that's going to be – that's always the challenge at Copa is how can we integrate technology? 
how can we integrate kind of our old school coaching method and kind of create the best of both worlds here. Awesome. Um, and, and you for like you foresee, I think you, you mentioned it that, that in the professional world and I, I see it too, it's, it's more and more integrated every time there's more technology coming, coming along and it's becoming more common, but in a, in the grassroots programs and things like that, do you see in the future, maybe that becoming more of a, of a integrated part of, uh, of teams or, or training sessions? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we've been working uh, very closely with clubs here in the area, uh, working on their annual team reporting. And so we'll bring in the club and have them do uh, testing two different times throughout the year uh, within our speed lab and our skills lab arena. And so the coaches will get full team reports. And so they'll get an opportunity to kind of see and track their progress of their players. The goal is to hopefully make, you know, uh, better informed decisions around, you know, player selection, around team selection. Um, you know, that's that's a big part of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish and how we can integrate that into basically a, a club's, you know, annual kind of ecosystem and how they operate. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, we, we worked with uh, Walnut Creek Surf, a local club here, and we tested out all of their... Uh, all of their players in a in a kind of a randomized test, and we're able to basically see an A team, a B team, and a C team uh, all completely random, un unknowingly of who the players were. Uh, but when you put the players on the roster, this is exactly how they stacked up, and we had about a 98% efficacy rate on that. So that's a huge win, and uh, being able to know that what we've I, what we've developed is going to go ahead and identify those players appropriately. Now, there's always going to be outliers. I think that's uh, something that we have to be very careful with with our technology is that numbers aren't necessarily law. Um, and that's something that we have to be very uh, careful in. If a player scores a certain level on his Copa score, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's better than Cristiano Ronaldo. But maybe it sparks a conversation of, hey, we should we maybe overlooked him uh, in that last scrimmage or that last trial. Let's maybe bring him back in and, and take a closer look at these specific targets that we're looking at. So I think that's um, something that still is uh, still trying to find how we fit in all of that world. But um, I think it's a it's an exciting bit. It's an exciting time. Awesome. Yeah, I, I was as a traditional. I, that's that's me. I'm a, I, I consider myself a little bit more old school. So I, <laughs> I, I think I think like some coaches might have a little bit of a difficult time with that. But you Absolutely. clarify that a little bit that we have to be mindful of, of those, you know, the numbers and that it's not like a, a set on stone type of thing. Absolutely. Like if you have a, if you have a forward, if you did your team reports and your striker is testing, you know, at an 80 in all of his finishing activities, and this kid comes in and tests at a 95 in all of his finishing activities, it's not to say that he's a better player than your current forward, but as a coach, maybe we should give him a look and maybe we should bring him in and, and focus on some of these, these aspects and see if he out, outshines our current player here. So it's not, like I said, not law, but definitely an opportunity to, to spark a conversation. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's a different way of looking at it. It gives you a different look, actually. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, with this, like, it's especially in the, I, I, we could talk about the, the many years experience, but in, in the past few years, when since you've been working at Copa, do you, can you give us any examples of success stories or, or notable improvement that, that you guys uh, have had with utilizing this technology and, and all the, the resources that you have there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, working with players and always looking to see development, um, 
it's always it's always hard to see development right it's hard to to see it's like what is success and we we get asked that question as a coach all the time uh what is success the good thing is is with this technology being utilized is we have the way of uh we have the ability to track that and, and to track your progress and track your development so to give an example we had um we launched our, our new membership, our training membership model this year in February that utilized the COPA score uh, to provide a training level for players. Uh, players then could retest throughout the year to then uh, raise their training level uh, to then work with higher level players throughout the facility. Uh, we had a player who had come in and he, he has done three tests over the course of eight months, six, six to eight months. And each of the tests each of the exercises he's shown improvement in. Um, and now that's, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, all right, well, one test one versus test two, you would hope to see kind of improvement, just kind of knowing the test, knowing what the exercises are, knowing the technology, you're a little more familiar with it. You're going to always see maybe a little spike in improvement. Uh, what was really interesting to see was his spike on the third test that he took. Um, and then when you look at that player's profile to see how many sessions that he was doing at COPA, uh, in between all of that, I think that was the kind of the real story was, you know, Casper was taking his, uh, he was taking his COPA score, he was taking his training recommendations, and then he was then coming here working on those training recommendations each and every single day, uh, I think did more sessions than any member uh, in COPA did in that in that time period, and had the largest um, scale of, of improvement between each of his COPA scores. So, you know, I think that's a, that's kind of, that's a one, that's one story. Uh, and that's still very early on in what we're trying to do here and this whole kind of journey of the COPA score and how we're using it to identify players, how we're using it to, to help develop players. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to see this story happen a lot more as, as we continue to develop this all. Yeah. And, and I think as you were mentioning that it brought out like the, the great example of balance that it needs to be, yes, you got this, all this technology, but you still got to put in the work. You still got to be coach and you still got to like, if you don't put in the work, no matter how all the technology, and if you don't have somebody to guide you through it, you probably won't be as successful as, as this guy that you mentioned, because as you said, he's, he's still putting in all the work. He still has more session than everybody. And that's shown yeah. in every, every score that he, he, he took. So yeah, I, I think, I think that that's great. It, like there needs to be a balance still. Yes. The technology is, is there and it's great, but you gotta be utilizing it in ways to benefit you and still put the work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and now with that, now, what are some of the challenges you foresee in implementing new technologies or technology? Uh, how do you, and how can we like, uh, address those uh, issues that might come out with, with the use of this technology? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think buy-in is is the biggest challenge that we need to that we need to, that we're going to face is getting people to understand what our mission is, getting people to understand that um, you know we're here to help players, we're here to help develop players, and we're here to help make things easier uh, for the soccer community. Um, you know, you don't need to be scouting, you know, at the at the turf fields on a Saturday or Sunday for twelve hours a day trying to find these players. You know, these these things can help you uh, make that that process a lot easier for your scouting, for all of your talent identification. Um, I think buy in is going to be, you know, is always going to be a challenge and getting people to understand that, you know, how we utilize the technology. There's a lot of technologies out there. There's a lot of training technologies out there. 
Uh, a lot of soccer training products that are going to promise the future to you. And they're going to promise uh, that you're going to improve by this much and that you're going to become the next Messi or the next Ronaldo. And, you know, there's really no promise in the world that's ever going to get that, get you to that. Um, like I said, it's going to take the player. It's going to take some intent from, from the people that you work with. But I think um, that's going to be, you know, like you had mentioned before, it's like some of us are traditionalist. Um, we, we go by, you know, very subjective. Ah, this guy is, this guy is good. You know, what makes him good? Uh, th- well, we have ways of, of showing you what makes him good and what, what makes this player better than the other players. So, you know, uh, there's always, again, it's not a law. I think there's going to be, it's always going to be, you know, a million and one ways to do things. But I think what this is doing is it's sparking a conversation. It's adding another level into that, um, that overall decision-making process and, and how we get to the teams that we work with, how we get our players into the right, you know, team environments. And I don't know, man, watching the, you know, the world cups and stuff like that. And, and hoping that we can find 11 players uh, that can put together a, a decent squad on the field that can compete against the, you know, the other countries and stuff like that. I think that's, that's what we're going to, that's always going to be the challenge. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I think you, you're, you're right. Like it's getting the parents, coaches and everybody behind it to, to buy in and, and to realize that these technologies are there to help us. It's up to us to, to utilize it in, in, the, in the right way and to help. You know, I think like just talking to you now, I get a better idea of it and now I'm kind of, it opens it up a little bit more for me. Um, I probably wasn't so open to it, but I definitely need to come out there and, and see it as well. I told you, man, you guys, you're more than welcome to come by at any time. Awesome. Yes, I will. I will maybe, um, uh, how far are you guys from the convention, by the way? You guys are far, huh? Uh, Anaheim's about, yeah, it's about six and a half hours, but about a 45 minute flight. So let's plan it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That sounds good. Yeah. I'm going to try to make it happen. Um, now, uh, what are you now moving back to, to the overall facet of coaching? Um, what do you, what do you enjoy the most about coaching young players and, and what motivates you to continue to, to be in this path and in this journey to the coach and the coaching world, especially for, for what we do with the youth at the youth level? Ah, I mean, why, why do I do what I do? I mean, it's, uh, I, I love this game. I love this sport. It's, uh, it's the one thing that I've been doing longer than anything else. And so the fact, again, like kind of going back to it, the fact that I can make a career out of this and make a living out of this, I'm very blessed to be able to do that. Uh, why do I do it? I, I really, truly enjoy the game. I, I enjoy working with our youth players. I think um, seeing how players develop and how players grow and being able to impact players in a positive way is, is something that I really uh, love doing. Um, love being a part of their journeys. Uh, and what they're able to accomplish on the field. And, you know, as a coach, I always said, like, you know, getting an opportunity to work with my 100 players, that was my opportunity to impact that 100 players. And seeing how I can continue growing in my roles and my organizations helps expand my impact. And if I can impact now your 100 players and your 100 players and your 100 players, I think that's just uh, what really excites me is, is growing this game as much as we can, trying to inspire as many kids to to find the love for this game that you and I both have and um, get more players involved in it and get more players wanting to do this more. And, you know, uh, talking about mentorship and getting younger players more involved in coaching and, and seeing how that can 
uh, play into not only, you know, what they might do in their future, but their overall development, you know, uh, becoming a coach helped me become a, a much better player. So uh, if that can inspire the next wave of coaches, that would be phenomenal. But I think just being an opportunity, get an opportunity to, uh, you know, coach an amazing sport, uh, work at an amazing facility and, and a place that we don't, you can't find anywhere else, I think is uh, definitely something that keeps, keeps it exciting every single day and keeps me waking up in the morning. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it in the world. Awesome. Yes. We are truly lucky and blessed to, to do what we love. Um, and, and that's soccer. Um, yep. and now last question, um, and that's this is kind of related to to what we just talked about. Um, as a coach, what are your long term goals and aspirations, and how do you continue to how do you plan to continue to work towards that goal and and, and help the soccer community um, that you are working with at the moment? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in particular to here at Copa, this is the ground floor. This is the one and only Copa STC in the entire world, um, and. <laughs> We're just at the forefront of all of it. So there is definitely a whole lot uh, in the works right now. Um, the future of Copa is very exciting. Uh, and I think that that's a challenge that I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, and just seeing how this goes the next five years is going to be a very exciting time and kind of almost a whirlwind of, of uh, what we're going to be doing and trying to develop, uh, not just here in the country, but uh, across the world, um, and not just with the youth organizations, but with professional organizations as well. So I think um, those are goals that I'm I'm always trying to look to, how can we make this bigger? How can we expand this? How can we get uh, more people to know about COPA uh, and what our mission is and get more technology-driven uh, training involved in as many different programs as we possibly can? Awesome. All right, so that's all for the questions that I have now. We're going to awesome. a quick, we're going to our rapid 10. This is quick questions. You get to pick uh, one and it's three seconds. It's quick, quick. Oh, all right, I'm ready. Ready, ready. Here we go. go. This is always a, a controversial one. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? You already know, Ronaldo. What? Oh, yeah, but but now but now yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was talking to a friend today. Today is a special day after that performance. Uh, Miami just played last night, so um, can't believe special it. Special performance. It. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, Premier League or La Liga? Premier League. Premier League. That one is. Yeah, you know. Premier League. Maybe <laughs> La Liga. Maybe five years ago. Maradona you could probably Pelé. answer all these questions for me. <laughs> Maradona. <laughs> Good. Top three uh, national teams in actuality, current times. Current times. Uh, top three. My favorites are top in like in performance. No, nah, top three uh, performance. Th top three nations in the world. Oof. Um, let's see. I mean, I'm always going to throw Portugal in there because they always have the ability to be a top, top country. Uh, France obviously is a country to, to be reckoned with. And I mean, the third one is always good. It could be thrown up to anywhere, but, uh, I'll, I'll go with England. I'll, what? I'm, a I'm a controversial, <laughs> controversial. Okay. Okay. Um, Pep Guardiola or Mourinho? Pep. Pep. Okay. That one, that one I wasn't sure about. That's a top three one. players in the world. Top three players in the world. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Holland, 
and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, your team, one team you support. Manchester United. Manchester United. Controversial. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Nike, Adidas, or other? Adidas. Adidas, the second one. Okay. All right. That's it. Uh, River or Boca? Boca. All right. There we go. Good I one. I got you. I got uh, you, bud. Last one. Uh, one goalie. One goalie. Yeah, one goalie that you if uh, you had to choose. Uh, Does have Schmeichel. to be current. Schmeichel, Schmeichel. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manchester Legends, bro. Man. A lot of controversial probably, you, ones in here. You probably could have answered about eighty uh, percent of those questions for me, for sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. All right, man. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the time uh, for this uh, soccer journey. Uh, as we close out, though, our journey started at, at the Rebels. Uh, that was a, a great time. Uh, a lot right. of learning. Um, a lot of great coaches and great people in there. So uh, that's how I met Drew. And uh, what, like 10 years later, we're still years talking here and there. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. But that was... That was part of the journey, and, and this is what this podcast is about. Uh, it's about the journey. I think every coach has a story to tell, and, and um, everybody has their own uh, journey. And, and I just wanted to uh, have a platform to share and also to learn. That, that's, that's one of the main reasons why I started to learn from, from other coaches, because if I give you a call, I know you guys won't take me seriously. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Matias. I really appreciate it, man. I'm glad we were able to do this. This is awesome. I'm glad you're doing awesome. this. <laughs> awesome. Yes. All right, Drew. Uh, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Maybe we'll um, hope to have you again in the future. Sounds good, Matias. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. All right, brother.